planets. Isn't it just so wonderful to hear stories of how God has worked to bring people to himself? Um, is there anybody else who would just feel it in their spirit that they want to share their story with us? No. Woo! There's even a microphone. Look at that. Terrible. Well, I, I think what we'll do, we'll get some more testimonies in future services. So, watch out. If I come and speak to you, I might be going to ask you to do it. <laughs> Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that you are the God who saves. Lord, that you are the God who is an anchor for our souls. Lord, that no matter what life comes up against us, Lord, no matter the winds of, of whatever that blow against us, Lord, no matter what evil stands in our path, no matter how sinful we are, we have an anchor that keeps our souls steadfast and sure because you have gone ahead of us. And Lord, I pray that you would now go ahead of us as we look at this passage of Scripture. Lord, it's a tough passage. Lord, it's a confronting passage. And I pray, Lord, that you would soften our hearts, open our minds and our ears. Lord, that we would hear you this morning. Feed us, we pray. Amen. Chippewattle. Isn't that a great name? Now, you poor parents are going to have to tell your children something about Chippewattle. This is an interesting passage, Hebrews chapter 6, because what we get here is in the end of chapter 5, the writer to the Hebrews really wants to talk about Melchizedek. He wants to talk about how Christ is a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, and he gets there, chapter 5, verse 10, he comes and he says, God designated to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. <gasps> but you guys don't have a clue what I'm talking about, do you? Uh, chapter, chapter 6. <laughs> well, that's exactly what the author is saying in chapter 6. Chapter 5.11 to the end of chapter 6 is the sort of insert on this argument on the high priestly nature of Christ. And it's saying... Basically, we need to step out in our knowledge of Christ. We need to step further and deeper into our understanding of what God has done for us. And he really has a go at the recipients of the letter, and I think he has a go at at myself and yourself, where he says, are you lazy Christians? Are you Christians, to change it to another angle, are you Christians who drink nothing but milk, when there is a feast laid out for you, a feast of the knowledge of the riches of who Christ is for you, and you drink milk. Milk's good for you. It grows your bones. And, and I drink milk when I have cereal. <laughs> but a milk-only diet? It wouldn't be good for you, would it? No. Doctor says don't do it. Bible says don't do it. And the writer to the Hebrews comes, and he says here in chapter 6 that he wants to stop going over again 
and again and again the basics of the faith. The word there for basics is, is it's the ABCs of Christianity. Like, can we do a song? It's, I'm sure you know the words. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and... Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? We learned the ABCs years ago, didn't we? And how stupid, how funny for us as a bunch of adults to sit here and sing ABC. I mean, I know you all know your ABCs because you can all read and you can all write. And we can sing songs and you can look up and you can know the words. But the ABCs are meant to be foundational. I don't think the writer of the Hebrews is saying, your ABCs, forget about them, let's do something different. He's saying, the, the basics of the faith, keep them there as the foundation, but let's step forward. Let's step onwards. And he says over there, we're not going to go over it again and again. But I love what he does. <laughs> he says, we're not going to go over it again and again. And let me summarize for you what the basics of the faith are. So let's summarize what are the basics of the faith. And, and the writer to the Hebrews in the first two verses of chapter 6 gives us about six different essentials of the Christian faith. Number one says he in chapter 6 verse 1, surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds. This is the absolute foundational thing that Christianity begins with, is repenting from evil deeds. Some translation, deeds that leads to death. And it's a huge step to repent of our evil deeds. Because repenting of our evil deeds means owning up to the fact that I am a person with evil in my heart. See, what did Jesus say? He says, uh, different context, but he says it's not what's on the outside which defiles someone or something, but it's what's inside. And when the writer to the Hebrews says foundational to our faith is repenting of our evil deeds, he means the first thing we need to do as Christians or on the road to becoming Christians is to say, I am not good. And this doesn't come naturally, does it? This does not come at all naturally. We want to say, no, I am good. No, I am right. No, you are wrong to think that I am wrong. I am okay. Think of it, the Garden of Eden. What happens? Adam and Eve eat the fruit that God says not to eat. God comes sees them, he knows where they are, but he goes through the garden saying, Adam, Adam, Eve, Eve, where are you? They hide from him, they're found by God, and God says to him, why were you hiding, and what do they say? We did a wrong thing, did they? Wasn't me, God, the woman gave me the fruit. 
And you gave me the woman, so it's your fault. It's not my fault. I'm not wrong. I'm not a bad one. I, I am good. Cain and Abel, a little bit later. Cain kills his brother. God comes to him and says, Cain, where's your brother Abel? What does he say? Am I my brother's keeper? It's none of my business. What concern is it of me? I'm a good person. You should have accepted my sacrifice. Why didn't you accept my sacrifice? I am good enough. I don't need to have you on my back, God. I am good enough. Joseph's brothers dropped him in a pit, sold him into slavery. Went home to Isaac at home. What did they say? Hi, Dad, we just sold your, your favorite son into slavery. Isn't that wonderful? It wasn't us. Wild animal ate him. No, no. Don't worry, Dad, for the next how many years? Don't worry, Dad, we are good people. At least you've got us. Pharisees and the teachers of the law. How dare this man speak as he does? We are the good people. We don't hang out with sinners and tax collectors. We are the good, good people. And yet in, in about chapter 4 of Mark's gospel, Jesus says, it's not to save the good people that have come, but it's to save the sick. You see, the first thing of Christianity is to, is to admit that I am a bad person. Covered in darkness and evil literally falling off me. And repenting is more than just saying, yeah, I'm a bad person. Repenting is saying, I'm sorry for what I've done. Repenting of my evil deeds. God, I am sorry. You all know this, don't you? But do you know, Repentance isn't enough. Repentance takes us as far as any number of religions. Be a great Muslim if I repent. The problem is I, I can go and I can say, God, I have done evil things. And they still on still flowing out of me. That's why the writer to the Hebrews says, second foundation to our faith, repentance of our evil deeds, secondly, faith. Secondly, faith in God. Placing our faith in God.
repentance is turning away from what we have done. Faith in God is turning to God and saying, God, I cannot undo who I am. I cannot change my nature. I cannot change the sort of person that I am. But I believe you can. And I trust you can. And I know you will. Because you said that whoever turned to you, you would save. And that, that is what sets Christianity, that is what sets our faith apart from every other faith. Because we have a hope that our sins, though dark as the darkest night, can be taken away and have in fact been done away with on the cross, have been covered over so that they are no longer visible. never going to be an interior decorator, am I? You see, those are the two foundational beliefs of our faith. That is milk, absolute milk. Repenting, saying, God, I am sorry, I don't want to be the kind of person that I am. But God, I trust that you are able to do something about the kind of person that I am. As Paul say, what a wretched man I am I. I do what I don't want to do, and that which I don't want to do, that I do. Who can save me? Christ Jesus. And he puts a note there of, woohoo! Christ Jesus has saved me. Repentance and faith, A and B. What does he go on? He says, right, some other stuff, which, which I really don't want to go over. Let me tell you about them again. Um, repentance, faith, and you don't need further instruction about baptisms and the laying on of hands. Can I have a show of hands? Who here is 100% certain in their knowledge of baptism and laying on of hands? Can I see a, a show, please? ABCs, 100% certain? You know everything? Okay. It's basics. I'm glad to see quite a few of you know the basics. I would that we all knew the basics. But it's interesting, you know, these these things which the writer to the Hebrews speaks of as the basics of the faith. What is the church arguing about these days? Baptism. Who, when, where, why, what? Laying on of hands. Ooh, that sounds a bit Pentecostal, doesn't it? Charismatic. He goes on, he speaks about um, the laying on of hands, he speaks about the resurrection coming judgment. So many people, oh, we can't speak about judgment today. Tell them that Jesus loves them. Don't tell them anything else. No, says the writer to the Hebrews, this is basic stuff. And it's basic because, well, repentance and faith, that puts us into a relationship with God. What is baptism? I mean, there's lots of answers. That's a big question. But but what I really want to focus in on is baptism is a public identification. Baptism in the early church especially was how you joined the local church. So what is the writer to the Hebrews saying? He's saying, right, first thing is you've got to Know that you're a sinner. Trust that Jesus can save you. And you are to be baptized. You are to join a congregation of believers. 
people who will grow your faith, challenge your, your faults, <laughs> encourage you in your weaknesses. And yes, baptism is more than that. It's, it's an identifying with Christ, but it's a public identification. It's a putting your faith on the line for everyone to see. And it's so basic, it's number three on the list. A, B, C. And the laying on of hands, we, well, we did it for, for you guys this morning, didn't we? But laying on of hands, in the New Testament, it's about blessing someone. It's about praying for someone. It's about giving somebody a task of mission. And quite often it's linked again with membership into the church and with the coming of the Holy Spirit. So Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 8, there's some occasions there where, where Paul, 19, he lays his hands on some disciples of John and as he does it, they receive the Holy Spirit. And the writer to the Hebrews says, this is basic stuff. Baptism, identifying with Christ for all the world to see and having uh, hands laid on you, the identification of the church in return saying, we are your family now and we will empower you through God's Spirit. Not we will empower you, God will empower you through His Spirit as we lay our hands on you. You know, Jesus, if you read through the Gospels, so many times He reached out and He didn't stand aloof and say, oh, a bit blind today, are you? Okay, well, I mean, He did, he did always touch, but, but He would go and He would touch a person and lay His hands on them and they would see. You know, there's that brilliant thing in about Mark chapter, oh, let me look it up, Mark chapter something, Mark chapter 10 where Jesus has the little children around him. And what does he do? He says, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And he reaches out and he lays his hands on them. And he blesses them. I identify with you. I empower you, says Jesus. Two Timothy one six speaks about Timothy having received a gift from the Spirit when Paul laid his hands on him, and there was prophecy at the same time. Basic to the faith is repentance, is trust in God, is identifying with God, and is receiving God's power and mission to go out into the world. I mean, why does God give of His Spirit if not to do what God's Spirit does? And what does God's Spirit do? God's Spirit testifies to Jesus and says, Look, there is the Son of God who takes away the sins of the world. John's word, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. A, B, C, D. Repent, believe, baptism, laying on of hands. The resurrection and coming judgment. 
Resurrection is such a big deal. As, as was it you, Pam, who was speaking about 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul says, if the resurrection, about 15, if the resurrection is not true, we are to be pitied more than any other men. This is foundational. We are having now in Christ more than just this life. There is a future beyond death. There is a life beyond dying. I I don't know how you could be a Christian and not believe in the resurrection. I was reading a great book by by Tim Keller, um, The Reason for God. Buy it, read it. Fantastic book. Uh, And there he speaks about this whole resurrection thing and people saying, well, it couldn't have happened. And and surely the Christians just made it up after the time. But uh, he does a brilliant job. He goes through the Bible and he says, you know what? Just a few decades after Jesus was raised, they were writing letters about this. Saying, this man has risen. Paul writes and he says, you know, there were over 500 blokes that saw the risen Jesus. Sorry. People who saw the risen Jesus. I'm sure there were ladies present. The resurrection is real. The resurrection is essential because if Jesus was not raised from the dead, our faith, no matter how much we repent, no matter how much we believe, if Jesus isn't dead, we're believing in a dead person. A, B, C, D, E. He is alive. And I just love the way that this is future-focused. And there is the other side to that, of course. There is a resurrection, but there is also coming judgment. Basics of our faith. We have to be serious about this. Fantastic news, there's a resurrection. Are we going to be ready? And not just us, are we going to see that person that we never really got around to telling about Jesus? How? Isn't it wonderful there's a resurrection? I'm sorry, I'm going in the other direction. Going to somewhere not nice. There are the ABCs of the faith. Repent, believe. Be baptized. Receive the Spirit. Rejoice in the resurrection. And realize that there is coming judgment. I'm going to break the service, the sermon into half. I'm going to get part two next week. Because, you know, what, what I've done here is, is <laughs> do what the writer to the Hebrew says, don't do. <laughs> I've gone over the basics of our faith. And, and I'm sure some of you are sitting here going, yeah, 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 I know this. Yeah, exactly. It's been through all of this. I know my ABCs. Don't tell it to me again. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry to those who know their ABCs. You know what? I wish for us to be a church where the ABCs of our faith are taken for granted. 
I want us to be a church like the one the writer to the Hebrews envisions, where there is a spiritual depth to us, where we are not just milk-level Christians, where we are people who are dining on the most exquisite caviar of the kingdom of God. And some heavy theology, which is brilliant stuff. I should tell you, the elders and deacons are starting a course. We're doing theology together. If, if anybody here would like to do theology as well, let me know. I know there might be a few people that have already hinted. But we'll get together. We'll do theology once a month. Exciting stuff. We'll, we'll chew on the meat of the gospel. Next week, we're going to be looking at a difficult question of the perseverance of the saints. <laughs> Can you lose your salvation? Wow. Woo! That's going to be meaty, but it's going to be good. Let's pray. Father God, you are fantastic. Lord, you are the ABC to our life. Lord, we admit that we are sinners, one and all. There is no one righteous, not one. But Lord, we trust in your love. We trust in your salvation. Lord, we have put our faith in you, the one who has saved us. Lord, we have identified with you. Lord, we publicly acknowledge that you are our God and our King and our only hope. Lord, you have given us of your Spirit. You have commissioned us to do your work of going into the world and making disciples and baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And Lord, you have provided a future for us, a resurrection life where, where the worldly ills and pains and sinfulness of this age will be no more and will have no hold on us. And that's going to be fantastic, Father. Thank you. And Lord, we acknowledge that there is a coming judgment and that we need to be serious about your return. Lord, these are the basics. Help them to be so deeply stuck into the soul of our lives. Lord, that you could build such a strong tower that our light for you, your light, might be visible for miles around. Amen. Well, it's at the back, so we didn't notice. <laughs> Shall we stand together and sing our last song? Kind of reaffirms some of what Nick was preaching about. We believe in our suffering Savior. We rejoice in our living Savior, and we have hope <coughs> in our coming Savior.
praise God. Christ is risen.